0: Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz and welcome back to the 11th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of August 13th, 2023. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to begin this week's podcast. And I'm excited that we are in the season where, at least in the spot that I am in the Northern Hemisphere, but I think we're starting to have more and more, it's the season of beginning to be the harvest. I know today, actually, my wife and I picked our first cucumber out of our garden. So it's this time that's exciting. Yes, it means that summer is kind of getting toward its back end, which is especially in your upper northern hemisphere is a little bit scary. I bet our southern hemisphere folks are getting excited. But it's also this moment that we can also realize what is all going on around us and what is all changing and going in and amongst our midst. And I think it plays into the question that we had for last week, which was, where are you seeing abundance and what are you doing with that abundance? And I know for us, one of the things is we try gardening. We're working on gardening. We're going to see how much abundance. There's definitely been some certain things that haven't done well. There's been other things that have done extremely well and figuring out how do we preserve some of that or how do we give some away to other people. I had one of the other responses for this this week was talking about love and seeing the abundance of people and using that gift of love to be able to share with other people and how important that can be. And I think that's another beautiful way of looking at this. I think it's something that we often don't spend enough time really thinking about in abundance. And again, we're in this season after Pentecost, and I've stated it before, but it's this growth season. This is a season where we should be growing and thinking about growth. So I think also thinking about abundance and what is our abundance that we're seeing and recognizing and being able to give forth is so important. And especially in contrast with where we'll be going this week. I think it's important for us to be able to recognize that and being able to work within that and recognize the blessings that are still coming from that. And I think that's where the rubber meets the road and the real fun stuff actually gets going. But let's just jump into the text this week. The alternative Old Testament text this week is out of Genesis chapter 37 verses 1 to 4 and 12 to 28. This is the beginning story of Joseph. So Joseph is the son of Jacob. Jacob, as we talked about last week, the one who is wanting the blessing, gets the blessing, fighting for that blessing. He has 12 sons. He kind of admits in here, has a favorite, gives him this gown. The other brothers get jealous of this And where it kind of picks up is that we have Jacob sends Joseph out to check on his brothers who are watching over the flocks. And he thinks they're over in this one area. When he goes there, he runs across a man. And no, they're not there. They're in some other area. As Joseph is approaching, the brothers are like, this is our opportunity. Let's kill him. One of the brothers then, Reuben, decides, no, really this. No, let's not kill him. That's too much blood in our hands. Let's just make them fall into a pit. They kind of beat them up, throw them in a pit, and you have some traders, some immigrants coming through. They decide, what can we get? This caravan, what can we get? And so they trade their brother, and he goes then with this caravan as they get the pieces of silver. And that's where the story leads us off. This beginning of what can we get from our brother? We don't like our brother, but what can we get from it? And I think that actually plays into where we'll be going this week with the science time, but give me some time. The Psalm that goes with that is Psalm 105, verses 1 to 6, 16 through 22, and 45b. Well, you can probably guess 45b is praise the Lord. But this is a psalm of the recognition of what God has done, starting with giving thanks, then singing praises, giving glory to his holy name, seeking the Lord in strength, recognizing and remembering all the amazing things that God has done. Look at what he has done for the chosen people of Abraham and the children of Jacob. And recognizing how in this, how it ties back to the Old Testament story here of how God was ahead of Joseph and was putting forth things, and this kind of gets ahead of where we're at in the story, but continuing to put things in front of Joseph to be able to help so that Joseph not only prospers, but the family of Israel does well, of Jacob's family, that the famine is coming so it is taking Joseph and putting him in a position to be able to help not only himself but the whole family which is the line of God. So it's this recognition of how God gets ahead of us to help give us insight and vision to where we're needing to go even when it doesn't look good. Remember this psalm when we get to what we're talking about this week. The other Old Testament text is from 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 9 to 18. This is, we've had where Solomon asked for wisdom and now Solomon has starting to fall apart and the kingdom has split. So we have the division now within the tribe of Israel and we're having some bad kings. This is a moment where Elijah has been a prophet and is called out and has kind of run for his life After, again, preaching a word that didn't want to be heard and is calling out to God and stating, I don't see anybody who is worth the time here. There is no one following you. And then God's like, "Okay, I'm going to talk to you. And it first comes, there's an earthquake and then there's these strong winds. But it's God comes in the silence after it. And he's heard his cry and gives Elijah, this is what you need to do. You're going to go back there. You're going to anoint some people. You're going to start to get ready for passing your prophetship onto Elisha. All these things, but I need you to go back, even though it seems hard. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 85, verses 8 to 13. And this is then kind of almost sounds like it would be a continuation of what Elijah is saying to these are the words that be the words that the Lord is needing these people to hear. Let it be from God, not from themselves. That's spoken out of that, that the salvation and love and all these things that God is trying to spew onto them, that it's able to be spoken and understood and there so that they can recognize the blessings that are around them and recognize how God is actively and moving in and amongst them. The New Testament text is out of Romans chapter 10, verses 5 to 15. This continues on these difficult texts here that Paul is giving us. But it's this recognition on how God is trying to stir up this devotion within us. And we've seen that in multiple Old Testament writings that Paul is referencing here, starting even with Moses. But this idea of how God is trying to stir within our hearts to be something greater. And for us to be able to do that, we have to put our trust in God. We have to be able to Trust that God is steering in and in, in amongst us and that God has done these amazing things. And if we're able to confess this, this is the covenant that God has made with us, that he is not going to abandon us. He is not going to let us go forsaken, that because of this covenant that he has made with his people, that in doing that and confessing that, God is then with us to be able to guide us through. And I think that's an important moment for us to be able to recognize and realize the beauty of what that actually means the gospel text this week is a familiar text but it's only found in the book of matthew coming out of the 14th chapter starting with verse 22 going to verse 33 this is jesus and peter walking on water so this is kind of coming after the feeding of the five we we've had some time his disciples go and he tells them to go on the boat he goes off to pray spend some alone time again Leaders, this is something that working preacher brought up, but I think it's also important. Make sure that you are having some time to step away from the ministry. If Jesus was doing it, you need to do it too. But I digress. They go out, the winds are starting to batter them, so the boat is already out a ways. And so early in the morning, the disciples are terrified because they see this ghost like figure they figure walking, and they realize as Jesus speaks to them, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid, coming from verse 27. That It's Jesus walking on the water. Peter then responds, Lord, if it is you, command me so that I can walk on the water. And Jesus just says, come. Peter steps out and starts walking on the water. But when the strong winds come, which again, working preacher brought up, but I think it is important to notice when the strong winds, not the light winds, the strong winds came, he became frightened and began to sink and then cries out to the Lord. And Jesus not only catches him, but says, You with little faith, why did you doubt? Get back in the boat, the wind ceased, and that's when the disciples and those in the boat recognize, truly, you are the Son of God. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some direction. Heck, I've shouted out the Working Preacher podcast multiple times already in this podcast. So if you haven't checked it out, it's a great resource. I'd highly recommend spending some time over there. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's DVD library. I really enjoy how they lay out the text each week, but it's also amazing to have all the art, liturgical texts, they have the colors, prayers. There's a lot of great resources over there. And it's something that whether you're in the ministry or you're just laity and you enjoy going to church and you're listening to a podcast like this, it's worth going over there, taking some time, looking through some of the different resources over there. So I'd highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lecture. You're coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and Green Blades Rising Publications. We've talked about this before. These are written commentaries similar to like this, but talking about how there's ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies to be able to bring into your weekly preaching or just in your weekly preparing for worship. And I think if you are spending time, Listening to this type of thing, you'd really enjoy looking over some of these different commentaries that different people are putting out week after week. It's some really great content. So I'd highly recommend checking out in the show notes down below, looking for that link and signing up for these newsletters. Jesus walking on water, Peter walking on water, doubt, faith, all topics that are definitely going to be talked about this week with this. And I think there's a lot. To that. And I think there is a lot of ways that you can take this where it can be both the tender hearted Jesus or the critical Jesus in how he is responding to Peter. But I think there is ways in this that I think when we look at our current construct within our world, we need to be able to think about and contemplate and look at ourselves But before we even get to that, let's talk about stuff that actually does walk on water. And that is water striders. There's a lot of different types of water bugs that will walk on water. And what is going on, and I think this is important for us to be able to understand, especially as we're kind of moving forward with some of this stuff, is typically it's due to the high surface tension of water, along with hyperphobic legs that allow these types of animals to walk on the water there's this tension. And if you think about, you may have in grade school done experiments with this where you had a penny and you were asked how many drops of water will stay on top of that penny. And you get to the point when you are getting upwards to 25, 30 drops of water that you're realizing that the water is bulging off the edge of the penny. And you can see that, but it's still balancing on top of the penny. And that is The water tension itself, the stickiness of the molecules, the polar bonds that they have that they want to stick together, they want to hold together, and thus it's allowing itself to expand beyond the edges of the penny but yet still hold itself. It's actually when you do measurements in a lab with a graduated cylinder, we're always told to look at the bottom of the ellipsis at the top for getting accurate measurements of the liquid that you're measuring, but you will see that there's actually curves up on the edges of the glass because of the surface tension and that's what these beetles bugs are walking on is the surface tension but it's just that the tension if they step wrong if they jab their foot in too fast if they put on too much weight the tension is broken and thus they no longer can. The hyperphobic legs help to get so that the water molecules don't stick to them so that they can be more on the top of the water. And that tension is what is both the lifeblood, but also the scary part of it. We as a global community are walking on surface tension right now. I'm going to attach down in the show notes, I have to give a huge shout out to Hank Green. We've used a lot of their stuff. He's one of the people who's helped with Complexly. He's helped with SciShow. Great scientific mind. Is going through some cancer stuff right now, but it seems to be doing better and better. But he put out an amazing, amazing video this last week talking about the biggest science story of the week that he said no one was talking about. And it was kind of interesting because some of the other stories that he talks about that are gaining some headlines, yes, they're big stories. Yes, they're going to take some time to really figure out whether or not what all is going to go on with those. And I had been kind of tracking even one of those stories a little bit. But he put out, I felt, a better argument. And I think he is on to a point here that is worth considering. So again, check out the video down below. But the thing that he was talking about is there is a study that has come out and you've probably heard that the North Atlantic Sea Surface Temperatures Anomaly, looking at data from 1982 to 2023, currently the ocean sea levels temperature is the warmest that it has been in that 50-year study. Doesn't sound like good news. And it isn't. If you look and if you're studying, I've kind of brought this up before. I've been watching some different things, looking at potential hurricane and weather formation. And the Atlantic Ocean is just crazy warm right now. It should not be this warm. They have gotten temperatures down in Florida right now that is 100 degrees Fahrenheit. In the water, that's a hot tub. And this is the Atlantic Ocean right now. And the potential damages of what that can be for sea life and marine life long term are devastating, along with that you're adding just rocket fuel for potential hurricanes because of the amount of energy that's already in there. But that's not the point. The point of what Hank Green brought up in this, and I'll attach the studies down below, the hypothesis and that what papers are stating on why sea surface temperatures are this warm is that we have changed the fuel that cargo ships are using. And the Sahara Desert hasn't blown as much sand this year across the atmosphere, but they think that's maybe a little negligible. But I digress. One of the major reasons that they're thinking that the temperature of the Atlantic Ocean in the northern part of it is warmer this year is due to cargo ships. And the reason being is in 2020, the UN's International Maritime Organization set out limits for the use of sulfuric dioxide, aka the burning of fuel. What we've been using in the past is Fuel that was kind of the bottom of the barrel. It's what everybody else didn't want to burn in these ships. And what was happening is it would be high in sulfuric dioxide. They get burned off making sulfuric dioxide, which would go up. And then we could watch these track lines of the ships. We could see this. And what was awesome about it in a weird way, not only adding sulfuric dioxide into the atmosphere, but... It would be really good at making clouds because of that. And then the clouds would form along where the ship lanes were because you get the ship tracks. And then it would rain out sulfuric acid, which, again, isn't good. But what the clouds would do would be temporarily cooling those areas. Now that since 2020, we have had where internationally we are reducing and not allowing people to use sulfuric field fuel to be able to have limits on how much of that can be in there we're not getting ship tracks which not having ship tracks means that there's not clouds which means that there's more solar radiation that's hitting the ocean thus warming the ocean so what does this all mean this opens up the door to a whole nother field of science that is being debated and questioned on whether or not we should use geoengineering And technically, we've been doing it to some extent for decades, a century, with us adding more carbon dioxide along with a lot of other fossil fuels and releasing those into the atmosphere. We have been doing types of geoengineering to our environments. But what we have just shown is by eliminating the sulfuric dioxide and thus eliminating the clouds that come from the tracks and thus eliminating and changing the weather patterns because those clouds aren't there. We are seeing that we have made a bigger problem for ourselves, but it also shows that there's a potential solution because there are other ways that we know how to make clouds. And so there is some discussion of, does it make sense then for us to potentially do some geoengineering to be able to take salt water and throw it up into the air as mist and thus it would make clouds to reflect? back some of the solar radiation and what would come out instead of sulfuric acid would be salt from the ocean just returning back to the sea and potentially then allowing us a break as we are continuing to figure out ways to mitigate and work through the climate crisis that we have put ourselves in. Hank Green puts it beautifully at the end of his video that as he states we are entering the overlap period. It's big enough that we no longer can ignore the problem of what has been going on with climate change and we need to make steps to do it. But we're also in a spot where it's not so big that we can't prevent it from happening. We actually can potentially do things to help solve this problem still. We're in this overlap period that I don't even know and no one really knows how big this overlap period will be. So this is that potential. This is that tension, The tension of Us recognizing and acknowledging the mistakes that we've made and then being able to recognize and utilize different things to help potentially buy some time, but also help mitigate some of the problems that we have been dealing with as we continue to move toward a cleaner future to help deal with the mistakes that we've made. These texts play that really well. Peter walks out of the water, is walking that tension until the strong wind comes and becomes frightened. When the strong winds, when the hard stuff comes, oh, this is going to be big change. Oh, this is hard work. And Jesus then Catches him. You with little fate. Why did you doubt? Yes, of course, it's hard work. What did you expect? Do you not remember like what Paul brings up in Romans? That there's this covenant that I have made with you. Is there anywhere in there that that was easy for the people of Israel? Was there any part of that that was really easy, per se? There was plenty of hard stuff there. How about Elijah being told to go back? Yes, it's hard. Yes, I am still working in this. You may not see it. I am still working and I need you still to go back and do difficult work, even though that you don't feel like it's worth doing. It's hard. Heck, take Joseph and especially the Psalm, how God is working through Joseph. Joseph, what has he done? He hasn't done anything wrong, but yet his brothers don't like him because his dad likes him. (laughs) And so they trade him off. And then the psalm reminding us that God sees through all of this stuff, that he then continues to work through Joseph. Did Joseph still have to do stuff? Heck yes. Joseph didn't just sit back and let God take care of it. Joseph still was active in a lot of this stuff and was still in communication with God and still doing all this stuff. And then when the opportunity arose, he didn't back away from it. He stepped up and communicate with his brothers, and helped his family, and helped the tribe of Israel. We are like a water strider right now, and it's the recognition that we're not walking on that tension nearly as lightly as we used to be. In fact, we have been poking our feet through fairly consistently. We're still afloat, but barely. We're walking that tension right now, and the question is, And what Hank Green, I think, does so beautifully in this video reiterate is this is encouraging news, even though, yes, it's realizing how big the problem is. But look at what we've discovered. We discovered something that we would never otherwise be able to test. We have discovered that we could potentially use geoengineering to help save people because it's going to get hot. And as we're trying to figure out other solutions to get rid of CO2 and all these different things and reduce our carbon emissions, this could help be a relief. This could help maybe stall things as we're continuing to work really, really hard. This could be us extending the deadline as we're working. Just because you get a deadline extension doesn't mean you quit working. This could be a possibility that This is God seeing, yes, I've been working with you and yes, now you figured that out. I'm ahead of you. I'm here. I need you to keep trusting. Walk on that water. Walk on that tension. Realize it's going to take sacrifice. Realize there's going to be moments that's scary. Realize there's going to be moments when the strong winds come and I need you to keep moving forward. When those strong winds come, I need you to realize you are okay. Okay. I've given you the resources. You need to keep following through. I don't need you to just fear. I am here. The world in which we're in is entering into a weird space. And especially as a youngish adult in my early 30s, the world that my parents and grandparents knew is not the world that I'm going to know. And if I ever have children, it's not the world that they're going to know. That world probably isn't going to happen. And it's not just culturally. I'm now talking environmentally. We have potential to save as much of it as we possibly can. But it's going to take a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice, and difficult decisions. And it's going to mean that we need to walk on that tension. We're going to have to cry out and it's like, is that really what we're supposed to do? If it's really you, let us walk on this tension. And we're going to have to be listening for God and saying, yes, I want you to walk in that tension and to have faith to walk it out and not talk it, walk it out. This is an opportunity for our world to do something absolutely incredible. And the people who are going to reap the most benefit initially here for the long haul are typically actually a lot of communities that are not first world nations that there's a lot of poverty that is getting hit very hard with climate change. And partially, we don't acknowledge it or don't want to see it because they're not the first world nations that are getting affected. The issue that we're seeing is it's getting closer and closer to home. This is the warmest July that the world has ever seen. My wife has family down in the Phoenix area, and they had over 30 days of over 110 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes, they are accustomed to the heat, but they're not accustomed to heat like that that long, where there are people who are getting injured by just falling on the concrete. Why? Because it's 120 degrees outside. And concrete can be anywhere from 40 to 60 degrees warmer than the actual air temperature. So they could be falling onto cement that is 180 degrees. It does not take long for you to get a burn at 180 degrees. We have to have faith to walk this difficult tension that we need to do now. We need to be able to realize that God is going to be calling us in ways that we may or may not feel comfortable with because Peter doesn't seem initially comfortable. Okay, God, yeah, if this is you, Jesus, then let me walk on water. Come. And so he starts and then he gets scared because, whoa, there's so many things that could go wrong. The problem that we have with our climate is a big one. And there's a lot of things that can go wrong. But I'm going to trust to try walking this tension. And realizing that there's a lot of adjustments that I need to make in order to walk that tension for future generations, for potentially my future kids, for my nieces and nephews, for my younger cousins, for my larger church family and global family. That means that I need to have trust and I need to trust just like we get this week out of Psalm 105. I need to trust that God is out ahead of me. That God is going to be communicating with me like Elijah, even when I'm bickering in a cave. That I need you to go out there and I need you to do the work. I need you to trust that I'm out ahead of you, that I'm working on things before you get to them. I need you to remember the promises that I have made with you. I need you to have faith. So the question I have for you this week is, have you felt like you're walking that tension? Have you felt that tension? Have you felt like you're walking that tension? Have you felt that tension? I'll be honest, I don't feel that I feel it enough. I don't feel like I feel the desperation that we're honestly in, and I'm the one talking about this on a fairly consistent basis. This is scary stuff, but that's where faith is a major part of this. It's not necessarily a god of the gaps. It's the have faith that there is something greater than myself working on this as well recognizing that the work that i am doing is in commission to work toward this goal of where god is calling us as a people not just me as an individual but us as a people as the tribe continued tribe of israel that we're called to take care of this place and we're called out on that water and the trust, and though the winds may get strong and things might get scary, that we continue to trust and walk that tension. I think that's scary. I think it's hard. It means potentially drastic changes in our lives for first world countries, but it's also necessary. And I think one of the things that scripture shows us time and time again is that God's people are equipped for a challenge and that God is not gonna put something up that we as a people cannot overcome. As long as we are putting our faith in the right place and continue to strive to reach for God, mountains will move and things will change. And heck, maybe we can solve this global climate problem a lot easier than we realize, but it just means that it's gonna take a lot of hard work still so that we can walk on water, just like a water strider and walk on that tension. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.